So if you missed the first part of the, the service, this is Worship Activation Sunday. And anytime we go to activation, whether it's, uh, excuse me, worship with the prophetic, it means we're going to practice it. And so that first song, like I said, we're going to look at words that talk about, that are worship words. And when, when they're translated into English, they mean praise the Lord or worship the Lord. But they're, they're the Hebrew words behind them, you can have three different Hebrew words that are translated as praise the Lord. But the Hebrew words have a lot of different meaning. Uh, or much more specific. And so I want to talk about why, why do we worship? The why of our worship. And, and first of all, God is worthy of our worship. You cannot worship beyond your understanding of the worth of God. What that means is, if God has little value in your life, you're not going to worship Him very much. If He's got a lot of value to you, you're going to worship Him a lot. And part of that is having our eyes open just to, to understand how much we've been saved from and, and, and who He is. Um, so you cannot worship beyond your understanding of, your, of the worth of God. Part of this worth of God just comes by having, the Bible says, the word of God dwelling richly within you. God gave us the Bible to help reveal himself to us. And, I mean, even in like Exodus 34, he tells Moses, he says, I'm going to cause my, the glory of my goodness to go before you, and I'm going to declare my name before you. And, it, and when God declares his name, he doesn't say, Jehovah, 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 Jehovah. He declares his nature. So anytime that when Jesus says, if you pray in my name, these things will be given to you. What he's saying is, if you pray in alignment with who I am, my nature, my character, my values, anything will be given to you. He's that saying, I want that Porsche in Jesus' name. Now the Lord said, hey, I want to give you, he might say, I want to give you a car or something like that. He's not beyond doing just radically kind things for us. But it all starts prayer, you know, and worship actually begin with God. You have to have an understanding of how much you're loved by God in order to give love back to Him. First John says we love because He first loved us. He loved us. So then we, we magnify the Lord. To magnify the Lord means to, to make Him bigger in our life. So He needs Maybe your circumstances look like Goliath. Well, God needs to be like 10 stories taller than Goliath. And so when you worship, it magnifies the Lord. And it makes him big in your circumstances. So you've got, as a, too bad, as Graham Cook says, not enough rent in too much month or something like, you know, you've, maybe you, you don't have rent money. And then you, you worship the Lord like, Lord, you're my and you're, you're worried and anxious about not having enough money. And then you worship the Lord saying, you're my provider and you're in the cattle in a thousand hills. We were driving by cow pasture yesterday uh, on the way up from uh, Bucky's in Warner Robins, which is a wonder of the modern world. And uh, I, was, I said, look, the cattle in a thousand hills and Jessica said, my dad owns that. And so, 
that's part of getting your perspective in alignment is just that God is our provider. Secondly, worship is about agreement with God. So we bring our perspective, our thoughts, our heart posture and reality into agreement with God's thoughts. In agreement with his heart posture and his reality. How does God see my situation? Well, worship helps you get into that place of, of seeing it from God's perspective. Worry and worship cannot coexist. And so there might be times where you're worshiping to get into a place of, of faith and of peace. And that's that's part of the battle, right? That you have to you have to press through in those things. And one of the things that um, I was even talking with Jessica on our car ride yesterday about it is that I don't think in general the church knows like it used to about how you have to you have to push against thoughts that come across your head, that come in, that come into your head. First of all, that not all thoughts are yours. And secondly, that you have to push against those thoughts. And so you have a thought of and I'm pretty, you know, you messed up, maybe you messed up something at work, and you have the thought, I'm pretty stupid, I'm not good at this. Well, then the truth is, is like, well, in Jesus Christ, I have, I have wisdom. I have understanding. Nothing's impossible with God. Like, if he called me to, do, to this job, then he's, he's going to quit me. So you have to push back against the, I'm stupid thought. But a lot of times we just take that as that's the truth and we don't push back against it because there's emotion tied to it, right? There's maybe shame or something like that. But you have to you have to resist, submit to God and resist the devil. Part of resisting the devil is taking your thoughts captive. And I'm going to kind of go through this because we want to get some more songs to equip ourselves with. So God is in, thirdly, God's enthroned upon the praises of his people. Psalm 22, 3 says, Yet you are holy and throne on the praises of Israel. So when we worship the Lord, it puts him in his rightful place as king. And when he sits, when he's sitting as king, then he can do king-like things in our lives. He, he can declare things of our life. Sickness be healed, provision be released, um, salvation come, freedom come. But if he is if he's not in that place in our hearts, then he's in a sense handicapped from from moving because we don't believe the right things. Remember the guy, the, the, the parable of the talents. You had the guy with ten talents, five talents, and the, the guy that had the, the one talent. And the guy that had the one talent just buried it in the ground, didn't invest it. And when the master came back, he said, look what I've done. I've saved the one talent you gave me. I didn't lose it. And the master rebuked him because he didn't invest it. But the man with one talent, he said, I knew you to be a hard taskmaster. And so I buried it. And I, was, and I was scared. So he had, a, he had this view of his master that prohibited him from being fruitful. That pro prohibited him from, being, from taking risks. And it's because he saw God as a harsh taskmaster, and that influenced his decisions. And so if we don't, if we see God as a loving father who disciplines us for our good, not for to just because he likes punishing people. And the, and the Lord, the, there's a difference between the wrath of God and the, the discipline of the Lord. 
wrath of God and eternal wrath of God. But the discipline of the Lord is, is as a son. No, that's, that way leads to him. That way leads to death, Travis. Don't go that way. And maybe a pop on the, on the backside. A little bit of pain associated with that decision. Not in the, in the sense of he lets me eat my own the choices of, of the consequences of my own choices. Because what are the wages of sin, right? Death. So death like sin is painful. And then there's times where uh, he allows trials and tribulations to refine us, and it's, it's not because of the sin, it's just because our hearts need to be purified at a greater level. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. And so worship is not about you. And the question I want to ask you is, is God, and ask us, is, is God fearless when we worship? So a lot of times we're worried about, hey, that was a great worship service. I could really feel God's presence. And I, I've said that a hundred times. But it's really not the right question. The question is, God, did you feel this? <laughs> Was it? Because it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not worshiping. I'm worshiping God because He's worthy. And a lot of times, the, benef- the benefits of worshiping the Lord is you get to experience His presence. But at the same time, that's not the motivation. The motivation is, God, you're worthy. You saved me. I want to give you thanks. I want to give you a sacrifice of praise. I want to give you a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And a sacrifice, when David says, I offered a sacrifice of thanksgiving, I would bet that a sacrifice of thanksgiving means that it feels like it's costing him something. Like maybe he had to be intentional with it. Maybe he, he wasn't feeling thank, thankful. And so we, we do those things that are, are choices of our will. Another grand quote, quote, we call it cold-blooded obedience. It doesn't mean that you always feel everything, but you're just, you're just being obedient because that's what the Word says. So we interpret God for our lives when we do that. The New Testament says, Let the Word of Christ dwell richly within you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When's the last time we had a small group where we, we did that? Uh, I, this is actually kind of a small group, so we do it in this one. But um, if y'all break out in the next, we break out the next call to war or women's gathering or pop up with a song, we're just doing what the Bible tells us to do. So if you ever get a song in your heart, just let it live. So there's three types of songs. First one is a song, which is a song from man to God. It's an, it's an intimate song. Expressing our heart, opening up our heart to God, expressing our heart to Him. Second one is a hymn. This is a corporate song. And hymns are not just old songs that we sang growing up in church, like Amazing Grace. It's, there's many modern hymns like How Great Is Our God, We're Going to Sing One of Day, Is It Worthy? And um, so there's many modern hymns as well, but it's a corporate song to the Lord. And then you have spiritual songs, which is a God-breathed news report. It's what heaven is proclaiming. And it's another word for to be a prophetic song. So what is it? It's like you get in the middle of worship and that, and that river of love song, what happened in that moment was the, the, heaven, the heavenly news report was saying, 
I've heard about a river and everything it touches comes alive. I've heard about a man, Jesus, and everything he touches comes alive. That's the, that's the heavenly good news report. And, and so you start singing it out, and you're proclaiming. What, what was that song? Called? They're proclaiming who Jesus is. Everything Jesus touches comes alive. News report, right? So a lot of times the prophetic song or spiritual song operates in that way. So different worship terms. These are all words for praise in the Old Testament. Okay? So, that's why we, some of this gets lost in translation as to what worship looks like. And, you know, Romans 12 1 says, Therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual service of worship. And so, you can praise God with your lips and your heart be far from Him. And the life laid down is worship. But this is also worship. It's not either or. It's, it's both and more. It's, it's both and more. It's both of these. So it's laying your life down, daily decisions, that's an act of worship. And then there's the part where you open your lips and David said, fill my mouth with praise. Fill my mouth with worship. And so these Hebrew words, halal, it means to shine, to boast, overwhelming excitement, to clamor foolishly. Worship. Guys, if you want to see worship, go to Sanford Stadium on Saturday. I'm not kidding. You want to see people acting foolish? Because they love something. And that, and that was that's part of my story. There's nothing wrong with going to a Georgia football game. I'm just saying, if we go to church and we got to sit straight and everything makes us uncomfortable that's loud and foolish looking, then we go to Sanford Stadium and we lose our voice and we throw our hand down and we do whatever else. And we're willing to look foolish for the Georgia Bulldogs, but not for the Lord. And so, all I'm saying is that's what worship is. I used to get sunburned, lose my voice, yell at the opponent. I, and then I told, and then the Lord told me, He's like, I want you to worship me. Like you used to in San Francisco. He's told me that one day. And I'd be soaked in sweat, sitting in 95 degree heat in the baking sun in the student section. And I'd be willing to go through all that. And then there's one night at Convergence, we had a wasted night on Jesus worship night, is what we call it. And I danced so hard, soaked through my shorts, and I was like, Lord, I did it. I did it. Worshiped as hard as I did at Sanford. And and so to, to clamor foolishly, and David did this when he brought the ark of the Lord back into Jerusalem. He was in the linen ephod, which was the garment of, of the Levitical priest, and was apparently, you can see through it, I mean, who knows. And his wife, Michal, said, Man, you're really showing your backside today. It's in a nutshell. We'll paraphrase that in Southern lingo. And he said, it doesn't matter what you think. I will worship even more foolishly than this. And so, the next word is Yada. It means the extended hand. Raising your hands up. Barak means to kneel in adoration, to bow. Zamar, to touch the strings. Instrumental worship. 
Shabbat, to shout with triumph. How many of y'all have been in an awakening service and we've shouted before? Tada! A confession or a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Tehillah, to sing the new song from the heart. So even in the Old Testament, they sang new songs. They sang the prophetic song. And uh, you can see this, it would come upon like even like Moses and Deborah. It's like a prophetic spirit hit them and you had the song of Moses and the song of Deborah as they were, they were worshiping the Lord because of the salvation that he showed them, rescuing them from their enemies. And it was like the prophetic spirit got them and started singing the new song. So the worship terms uh, we're going to kind of hone in on is the Shekhar, which means to bow down or prostrate oneself. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. So this is just straight Bible instruction and worship. Come, let us kneel and bow down before the Lord. The second one is to rejoice. To violently spin around in a circle. To dance. To leap for joy. Psalm 32, 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. There is a, uh, in Ezra, I believe it's Ezra, when he read the book of the law, I think I'm remembering this, this is the right book, but when they read the book of the law, the people let out a shout and it split the earth. So they caused an earthquake by their rejoicing. And I believe there's going to be things like that that happen again. That the Lord's restoring that kind of rejoicing in our salvation. Then you have Yada, which means praise or the extended hand. This literally means to shoot arrows. So when you extend the hand in worship, just imagine. You're not only worshiping God, but you're shooting arrows into the enemy's heart. Because he may have been trying to discourage you that day or that week. But you're like, I'm going to lift my hands to the Lord and I'm going to shoot an arrow right to your heart. You do not have to take the devil laying down. Okay? And it means to, to hold out the hand, physically throw a stone. What did David do? He got it. Goliath. He threw a stone. Especially to reveal worship. And what? And so David was a worshiper before he ever battled Goliath. He was doing, he was yachting. He was doing yachting before he ever met Goliath. And so when he met Goliath, it was natural for him to yacht again in this form. It was, you know, he raised his hands in the fields to the Lord and he raised his hand against Goliath and, and Goliath fell. So your, your worship is powerful. And that's one of the lies that I think I, I want you to rebuke is that your worship is not powerful. That when you're worshiping by yourself that it's not doing anything. That when you uh, you get out and out of your comfort zone and worship and, and I invite you to ask the Lord how he wants you to worship. When we lived in, in Texas and we're at Convergence Church I had a short sleeve button down shirt on one day and I had a, thankfully I had an undershirt. I'd like to think that the Lord, you know, I had to undershirt and he wouldn't have asked me to do this if I hadn't had But he said, take your shirt off and swing it around your head. And I was like, 
I really want to do that. I want to do that. So I knew it wasn't my idea, right? <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that. And he just kept saying, no, I want you to do it. So I go off into the corner, far corner, and I take my buggy down shirt off, and I'm doing like, and I'm like this. I mean, I'm half-hearted swinging that over my shoulder because I don't really want anybody to see me. I'm, I'm like, they're like once every five seconds, and and then I just started doing it, and it's like this fear man thing broke off of me, and I stopped caring about what people were doing, and I was just like, one of my buddies saw me, and then like it hit him, he's like, give me the shirt. I handed him my shirt, and he started swinging around his head, and the other guy's like, give me the shirt. <laughs> and like this whole corner of the sanctuary started like going, breaking out in freedom and worship. And my point to you is you can set others free body worship how many of you have ever seen somebody maybe worship i know this is true for me i've seen somebody worship it's like i don't, don't want to worship a freedom like that they that person does not care <clears throat> and so you can you can set others free and it's literally like a spirit of freedom that can get on you just like the devil tries to defile you with unclean spirits they try to contaminate your thoughts and your emotions and things like that. Well, guess what? The Lord, he, you can get a spirit of freedom on you. You can get a spirit of faith on you. In just the same way. Psalm 42, 5 says, Why, my soul, are you dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I still praise Yahweh him. So he's dejected. He's troubled. And he says, put your hope in God. I will still, bam, lift my hands up to him. It's just a choice. It's just simply a choice. You're feeling down, you're feeling discouraged. Just do this. God, I give my heart to you. Lord, I don't know, I don't have anything. I, I can't change my emotions necessarily, but your actions can help get your heart right and even, and even change your emotions. And then the fourth one is Shabbat, which means to shout with triumph. To address in a loud tone. Psalm 63.3 says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will shout you. He's saying, Jehovah! So, you know, we yell, Jesus, Jesus! Jesus! And my parents would probably tell you, I mean, if, you, if I had to say one of my love languages, it's probably the other. Even though I'm an introvert. And, but when I did, yesterday I was cutting grass, I was yelling, I was dancing in New York. To a worship song, and that's really—I mean—that's who I—that's who I am, and I believe that's how He created us all. And, and your worship doesn't have to look exactly like mine, but the thing I want you, or anybody else's, but the thing I want you to—I want to encourage you to do—is push the envelope, grow in your worship, grow in your expression to God, because it's in—it's biblical to do it. It's biblical to grow in your expression. It's biblical to do the things that, uh, as the Lord leads, you might be, look foolish. But there is there's so many examples of when somebody obeys God, it, it either frees you or it frees somebody else. I could go down testimony after testimony of 
a worship leader choosing to sing a prophetic song and if breaking something off of somebody, a dancer. You know, we've had where we've where we, we've said bring the dancers up front and they dance and and people would get healed. And so our obedience is powerful. And uh, just listen to even listen to the Lord as we as you worship Him. So we're going to worship again to another song. And it's, is he worthy? And during this song, so he song, I'm the worship leader today, and I, I want us to to get us out of our comfort zone because this is how we grow. But if you're able, I know not everybody might be able. If you're able, I want you to, to, to get on your knees and bow during this song. All right, and we'll, we'll all do it together. But we're gonna just out of reverence for the Lord and uh, to the song, is he worthy? So. Let's go ahead and get that song up there.
uh, speaking to my water bottle here. So this is just bowing down, prostrating yourself. There's been times where I've been face down on the ground and uh, you know, not carrying people's shoes and then they're just when you get in those places you really just want to only do what the Lord is telling you to do. Uh, the next song I want to sing this uh, is well we did this one's River of Love is the next one high phrase which is the Yada the extended hand and this is Battle Scars and this is uh, I call it like a, a high praise song where one of the, the lyrics it says, Glory to God in the highest. And you just worship the Lord and He's exalted and He's He's the King of Glory. And one of the things that Psalm 24 says, it says, Who is this King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So when we worship the Lord, we're inviting Him to come in. As the Lord of hosts, it says that later in the last verse, it says, the Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. So when we, when we worship him, we're inviting him in to fight for us, to fight on our behalf as the king of glory. Because where the glory of God is, demons flee. Demons flee. And so we're going to invite you during this song to raise your hand. It's about eight minutes long. You gotta rest your arms, that's fine. But try to raise your hands and worship the Lord. You know, there's time to, even the way I have my hands, sometimes this is like, I feel like I'm receiving more. This is, I'm giving more. And so just worship the Lord. Raise your hands in some way, however you see fit. But uh, that's what I want us to do during this song.
This next song is a uh, is more of a song in the sense of opening your heart up to the Lord and just expressing and expressing your love to Him. One of the you don't ever know what to say in worship. Just tell the Lord you love Him. Say I love you. Now, see fish. One thing I learned from him is he, he, he would say, Lord, I received your love for me today. Lord, I give my love back to you. And Lord, show me your love today. And, and so we, a psalm, you know, when the book of psalm, Psalms is, is more general than kind of what I'm talking about right now. This is more like kind of the, the New Testament. Uh, version of that. There's many different types of psalms in the book of Psalms. You have uh, imprecatory psalms, which are like God destroyed my enemies, never let them see the light of the sun again. <laughs> Those types of things. Then you have David opening up his heart. You have high praise, where it's just exalt the Lord, worship Him in holy splendor. And so it's a wide range. This one in particular is. The bow, it's not just bowing in reverence, it's bowing in adoration, adoring. What do you do when you adore something? Bo's got little, his little baby right there. Chris has got her baby. And you, you look at them and you, you adore them. And so we adore the Lord as we, as we look at him and we just, the white Lord, I love you so much. And so what this, this song is, is that. It's very simple. This is one of the, I, I, I love this worship song because he sings the name of Jesus and then he says, I set my love on And again, it's not a thing of, well, I don't feel very loving today, so I'm not going to say this. It's like, man, your worship can get you into that place. And, and, and part of the Hebrew thought of your body and, and mind and spirit is that they're not separate. Greek, the Greek thought, which dominates much of Western thought, is, hey, you got your body? You got your mind and you got your spirit. And they're all separate. Hebrew thought combines all of those. And so your spirit affects your body. This proverb says the spirit of a man sustains his body. Okay? Likewise, your spirit is having a hard time. Guess what you can do with your body? What does David says? Why are you downcast, O my soul? We're going to worship the Lord. Your body tells your soul what to do. So that's that's the Hebrew thought. Hey, I'm feeling discouraged. Doesn't matter. I'm gonna get my soul, I'm gonna get my spirit in alignment with God by taking active physical steps. My, if you're feeling joyful, then what's what's gonna happen? You're gonna dance, right? So your your spirit affects your body, but likewise, your body can affect your spirit. That's why it's important. To do the to move around, even you know, even if you have limited mobility or whatever, do what you can. Do what you can. So, all right. So this next song is some you might call it a certain song. But if, if you do, even if you don't know the song, just tell the Lord you love Him during this time, and you, you're free to worship however you wish during this song.
I want to go back to uh, the list of worship words, and there's that words in Mar, which means to touch the strings, instrumental worship. And just like the beginning and end of that song was, that man was uh, basically prophesying with the raw man. You can prophesy with an instrument because when Saul was distressed, what would he have David do? He'd have him play the harp. And the demon, it would shoo away the demon for a while <laughs> that Saul had. Because the demon that was was uh, tormenting him with, was trying to murder David, right? It's like Saul had split personalities almost. And so that Zamar word, so that can happen with piano, guitar, violin, whatever instrument. Um, heard guys, you know, do a, a sax solo in churches, like, man, that was the Lord. And so, um, so those things, that's a part, that's another form of worship. So if you're a musician, you're like, maybe I don't like to sing as much as I like, but you play an instrument. Play, play your song to the Lord on your instrument. And one of the cool things about sound is that sound is actually, uh, to narrow all this down and kind of put it in a nutshell, this sound is made out of light. It's actually made out of light, right? It's cool though. So when you, when you, you hit a note, you hit a, a sound, it's, it's sending like light out. It's literally sending light out to the atmosphere. And, um, you know, just like anything, there's, it can be corrupted, you know, there, there's music that's uh, satanically inspired and those types of things. It's not hard to figure out what those are. But also just that when you worship, you're sending out, you're sending light out. You're spraying people with light. Okay, and you get a bunch of people spraying everybody with light, and, like good stuff happens. So <clears throat> All of these words don't look like this. And I'm not telling you you got to be radical worship guy or girl. I'm just saying do it, do something that's within your ability to push the envelope, to express it physically to the Lord, because that is what biblical worship actually is. It's to and it's again that thought that Hebrew thought of your body, mind, and spirit are all one. They're, they're, they're working in accordance, they're not separate. And David commanded himself to worship the Lord. Usually, when you want to do something, you don't have to command yourself. But there's times where David, the king, you know, the maestro of worship in the Bible, said, All right, we don't feel like it, but we're going to worship. And that is the that's part of the sacrifice that God's pleased with. Because what that's a valuable sacrifice, right? When you give him something that you don't want to or, or it costs you. So it might cost you energy, it might cost you mental energy, it might cost you, hey, I'm gonna get up out of bed this morning and worship with my brothers and sisters. Or I'm gonna get up out of bed and worship the Lord alone in my living room, whatever the case may be. And so to do that, it costs you something. And, and David said, 
when they were bringing the ark to Jerusalem, Obed-Edom said, I'll pray, but let me pay for everything. And David was like, are you kidding me? Far be it from me that it cost me nothing to worship the Lord. David said, far be it from me that it cost me nothing to worship the Lord. David knew the correlation between a sacrifice and worship, right? Now we're not worshiping, I mean, we're not sacrificing bulls and goats right now, right? So what are we laying down? We're laying down our lives. We're laying down maybe our fleshly desires. We're laying down inconvenience. We're laying down fear of man. That's the sacrifice. So, anybody have any questions about worship? Thank you.